So we're here today with Chris Powers, Fort Capital in Fort Worth, America. Um, Chris has been a guy that I've looked up to for the last couple of years since I uh, was introduced to him. Uh, went to the Masters, we kind of hit it off, and um, he's doing great things. And uh, I've come to admire not only what he does uh, externally in the business world, but also just who he is as a human being and as a leader. So. Um, I know that uh, you and I know both have the conversation about time, and time is what we don't have much of, but you're sharing some with me today. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. So um, for our listeners out there that maybe need some uh, context to who you are and what you do, um, how do you introduce yourself and your work in the world? Yeah, uh, well, thank you for having me on. Um, my name is Chris Powers, and I live here in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, Fort Worth, America, and I love it here. Was born and raised in El Paso, Texas, which I hold near and dear to my heart. My mother uh, and her entire family has been there for 90 plus years. Moved here in 20 or 2004 and went to TCU and started a a company in freshman year buying rental properties around TCU that um, through through growth and through different initiatives is now a company called Fort Capital. I work with 20 amazing people each day and we buy, uh, develop and invest in real estate, multifamily, industrial and urban properties throughout Texas. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Michael, who's from Wichita Falls, who is my connection to Ashton. Um, and I'm the proud father of a baby girl, Palmer, who is about 18 months now. Kind of, pr- kind of proud of her, aren't you? I'm very proud of my She daughter. is the shining star of your Instagram feed. She is, <laughs> she is my Instagram feed. Follow me yes. for Palmer updates. That's right. That's, that's right. about it. So, um, entrepreneur, investor, um, super high business IQ. You start, you kind of... You're in business school at TCU, and you enter into this world of um, rentals around TCU. Um, this happened while you were a student. Yes. So, like, how? Walk me through that. So, um, I've always been an entrepreneur, even dating back to high school. Um, eBay had come out. I was a huge golfer in high school, and I started a, a business selling, uh, buying and selling used golf clubs across mm-hmm. eBay. Uh, my father from day one has always been, if you want something, you got to go work for it. And so if I wanted, a, you know, I don't even know, I wanted a toy, I had to go wash the car or mow the yard. And so had a had a yard mowing business, a car washing business throughout high school, got to TCU um, and realized very quickly that in order to kind of uh, have the money to do the things that I probably wanted to do, which at the time were trivial things like go to spring break in Mexico, uh, I needed to pick up my income levels. And I was really fortunate to meet a guy, and I, and I knew I could do that through business, but I didn't quite know what. Um, I met a guy freshman year at a party, and he had got done telling me that he had been buying houses around TCU. He was 19 years old and just absolutely fascinated and blown away by that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how are you doing this? And um, for those of you listening, this is pre-2008. So this is 2004, kind of leading up to what would become one of the biggest uh, crashes in real estate history in America. Um, 
but he taught me how to go down and get loans from, at the time it was Countrywide, and we would hmm. get loans for 3% down. Countrywide, who's no longer here. No longer here. <laughs> uh, they, they were kind of the quintessential poster boy of what was wrong with the economy at the yeah. time. But it was, uh, it was a, a good time for me and it was, um, you know, timing is a lot of, uh, has a lot to do with your life and um, things that work for some people don't work for others and that's because of timing. But for mm -hmm. this time, I was able to get loans 3% down, 6% cash back at closing, didn't need my parents' permission, didn't need any money, didn't need a track record, just needed to show up and sign on the dotted line. Fog a mirror. Fog a, a mirror, literally. <laughs> so I would go in, I got a loan, call it buy a house for $100,000, uh, you'd go rent it for $1,400, and then uh, you would go back to Countrywide, and uh, they would tell you, that home is now worth $140,000 because of its rental income. And the very next sentence after that is, well, would you like to refinance that? Well, sure. <laughs> what so else? give me, uh, they refinance, take another 30, 40,000 out, and we'll go buy more of them. And, wow. and that really snowballed into buying more properties, getting my license. I started the first website at TCU called rentbytcu.com. Mm -hmm that was a, an outlet for landlords to put their properties online for students mm -hmm. to, to see what was available. It yeah. sounds kind of historic, but, or it sounds kind of um, uh, uh, like it's like I'm this old guy. I'm not, but in 2005, driving around yeah. and looking for a house on the internet still wasn't quite the, the yeah. thing. You just yeah. drove around, looked at signs, and found one and called on it and moved in a couple weeks later. So did that, um, and really through... Uh, a, pr a period of 13 years, we now have uh, close to 220 million of assets under management, well, a great team, and um, we love what we do. What was your first hire? My first hire was um, an assistant, yep. and I remember uh, my mentor, um, we can talk about mentors yep, later, but sure. my mentor told me, um, and at the time, when you've never hired anybody and you don't have a ton of money, it's easy to look at people as like an expense to the bottom line. It's yeah. like, well, can I afford this person? And my, my mentor told me people are assets. And if you find the right people, they're going to grow your top line, not take from your bottom line. And so he said, would what you pay an assistant and the amount of time that you would get back each week, do you think you can make more money by having 20, 30 more hours a week to yourself. Yeah. Um, and if you can't, then don't do it. But if I'm a betting man, I would bet you could. And mm -hmm. um, it's you, you got to take the risk to find out. And so my first assistant um, was, uh, or my first hire was an assistant. And she was great. And my mentor was right. Mm -hmm. And my business started growing. And then we hired another employee. And... Uh, we kind of kept going from there. Now there's 20. Now there's 20. Wow. And every time we hire somebody new, every time we hire somebody new, um, the business gets better. Um, the top line grows. We get better at our craft. And I think the, the, the best quote that I could talk about with people in hiring is, um, it's very easy early on in a business or even later on in a business to try and hire somebody for cheap. Yeah. Um, and I think the quote goes something like, 
if you think it's expensive to hire somebody expensive, try hiring somebody cheap. <laughs> um, people underestimate the value of hiring, training, yep. um, and then having to get rid of that person and yep. rehire again and train. And uh, nobody puts the correct value on the time it takes and the stress it puts on mm -hmm. a company. And they don't ever put the time it takes that a really great person actually does the work of three three average yep. people. Totally. Um, totally. So, and they are, I think, I mean, I think a whole conversation you could have is the art of hiring. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm still figuring that out. I feel like it's day one, but each time, you know, the more you front load yep. the work of hiring, um, the better it is. A lot of times it's like, we need someone, fill it, yeah. get them in there. Um, but and I know you're a big into personality profiles, studying things like that, strengths binders and all that. Yeah, we, once you hire someone, um, if you're a good steward of that employer-employee relationship, that's a person you're going to see every day for the next, hopefully, long time. Yep. Um, yep. And it takes one person to kill a culture. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty convinced of that. I totally um, agree. They can suck the energy out yep. of a company quick, and I've seen it. You see really talented people in here that are doing great. You hire somebody that doesn't work out, and it just sucks the wind out of yep. every sale in this company. And so, you know, my partner really... I owe him all the credit as far as how we hire. So he had worked at David Weekly Homes, which is the largest privately held home builder in the country. They win culture of the year all the time. And their hiring process is so stringent. Mm -hmm. And initially it annoyed me. I was like, I don't want to do all these things <laughs> to find a person. And then you realize the people that make it through the end of that process, which is yeah. to your point, personality tests, interviewing with four different people, answering a list of 50 questions that we think are important to this culture, um, just multiple things, references, all that. If they can make it through all of that to the end, your odds of having found the right person increase dramatically yeah. and um, it makes it easier on you down the road because the wrong person takes away my time it takes yep. away your time it um it just has a, a bad effect yep. so so 13 years in walk with me in this conversation of um you start as entrepreneur the idea guy finding the deals fundraising all of which i'm sure you still do some today but there comes this shift where you go okay i'm now i've now been entrusted 20 people and while the deals and the cash flow and all of that is interesting, my sense is that you wake up one day and you go, growing people is even more interesting. And matter of fact, the legacy that's there is something that I think true leaders plug into at some point. Yeah. And, I, and I think I've seen that with you. Um, when, when did that conversation start to click with you, that you are, you are here to grow people? Right. Um, and what's that look for you? Yeah, that that's a like? great that's a great question. You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I, I never really worked for anybody. So I never got to see people grow up in companies and kind of be able to kind of see myself in the mirror. And so um, I kind of had an identity crisis probably two or three years ago when I kind of woke up one day and I was like, I'm not doing deals anymore. I'm <laughs> working with people all day. And I got in this business to do deals. And that's what I, I, I never, but at the same time, I loved working with people. And we, the company was getting to a point where we were hiring really talented people that could just 
accomplish a ton. Mm -hmm. And then I started seeing, I don't necessarily need to do some of the things I used to do because now I have great people that I trust to do those things. And if I do feel like I still need to keep doing those things, then I probably don't trust my people. Mm -hmm. And as you see results out of other people and you see things getting done without your day-to-day work going in, that began freeing me up to think, okay, maybe my job is to now go replace myself with people that can do the things that I was doing even better than I was. Because I was doing like 10 things, probably good, and maybe I go find 10 people that do one thing great, and then, oh my gosh. And my partner, again owe him some credit um he's the one that really started challenging me of like uh i would say well i need to know about this and he was like well why shana knows about that why do you need to know about it and i would say because i always used to know about it he goes i know but shana knows about it now and you trust her right yeah well then why do you need to know and that was going through those conversations really helped me start learning about where i fit in and um my love and, and, and passion for working with people and getting the most out of people was really starting to ramp up. I, was, I joined YPO, totally. um, yep. which was yep. huge. Yep. I, I surrounded myself with people in, in my situation and um, you, know, you just have enough of those conversations and influential people around you and you start learning what your place is and um, kind of to what you said is I'm in the business of growing people. Yeah. I'm in the business of making people better. And if I can achieve that goal, whatever it is, whatever business we're in at that time, I think we'll do really well at, yeah. and it's not vice versa. Yeah. Um, people are people. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's, not, it's not, every mm-hmm. day is not a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. There's, there's challenges, um, like with everything, but there's no better, you know, quote unquote ROI than yeah. an amazing team. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you and your, as your role is transforming, are you finding joy in going, oh man, every day is day one. Like when we first start in our business or whatever we're doing, we don't know what we're doing. Right. And yet there's an element of that that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. And then you got to a point where you understood every inch of the game, funding the deal, finding the deal, acquiring the financing phase one due diligence then you learn that now you're morphing into this new thing um tell me what it's like as a leader to i guess now learn what you don't know because because as we morph and transform into our best selves however you want to phrase that um what's that looking like for you today yeah i think the you know, being the CEO and, and really not even being the CEO, I think whatever role you're in, um, in order to get really great at whatever you're doing, there is an element of being able to kind of be comfortable with being uncomfortable about the future and doing things that you haven't done before. Um, so you don't have to be the CEO, but in the CEO's role, there's really nobody in front of you that you're following to yeah. some degree. I'm following my mentors, people in my life, but at a true company structure, and I'm following my team's advice, but my job is to lead this company forward and figure out where we need to be, not tomorrow, but really five years from now. Um, and so I know my job. Um, I think that the biggest thing I think I can boil it down to this is when you're first starting your company and you're doing things where you can see immediate results, like 
I go put this property under contract. Tomorrow I have a property under contract. Yeah. Tangible. I close in 30 days. Now I have this. It's like this constant, everything you're doing has almost immediate results. Then as your company starts growing and those items that had immediate results start being delegated to other people in the company, my results now take year, two, yeah. three years to really play out. Yeah. And that's patience. Mm -hmm. That's um, willing to bet that you're doing the right thing when you won't know for a couple of years if yeah. it was the right thing. That is where I think I've transformed the most, even over the last year or two years, is the things that I'm working on, I'm not going to know tomorrow if I'm right. Mm. I'm probably going to know two, three, four, five, ten years from now. Yep. Um, and I don't think every CEO, I think every good CEO gets to that point. You have to. Yeah. Um, but if, if you're growing a, a larger company and everything else, I think even if it's a small company, but once you get to that point where you're, where you understand the decisions that I need to make, I won't know for a couple of years. Um, you start getting a little more comfortable. It's also a little more, that's what keeps me feeling like it's day one every that's right. day. That's because, right. Beginner's mind. Right. Because I'm always kind of thinking, you're always thinking because yeah. you don't know. Yeah. I won't know tomorrow if I'm right. Yeah. And so therefore I got to get up every day. You read a lot more. You think a lot more. Yes. I meet with people like you a lot more. We, sh you know, you and I have sat together for hours just yeah. BSing on every yeah. topic of life. That's super, um, in, in a CEO's role, those kind of conversations mm -hmm. about nothing, mm -hmm. where we just kind of BS about the mm -hmm. birds and the bees, those actually are some of the most powerful things. And becoming better at business isn't reading business books and yeah. reading what everybody else has done. Yeah. That's just yeah. helping figure out if you're kind of on the right track. Where you're going hasn't been written yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's just me and you talking about you moving to Waco and yeah. why and okay, well he's moving to Waco and he thinks this, okay, maybe I have a thought about Waco now, who knows? Yeah. I store that little nugget and maybe I come around to it, but yeah. I'm comfortable, I'm becoming more comfortable knowing I'm doing things for the long term, not for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And so you grow people, you know, that I, I think that's that next shift into leadership is realizing you've been entrusted people, but then you've got to cast vision yeah. And a lot of that vision is not seen today. Yeah. Right. Um, and some of it's vision that I couldn't necessarily walk into the company tomorrow and go tell everybody what I'm thinking. You're like, Hey, we're thinking. Yeah. yeah. People would be like, what? Yeah. But I have big hopes, big dreams, things yeah. that, um, to some people might not make sense. Um, and it would be more of a distraction than anything. But if you get for five years from now, if you were to look at the five years leading up to that, there was probably points in times that things started happening that all set up for five years from now. Yeah. And yeah. that's my job. Yeah. Love it. So uh, you're big into mentorship, modeling, finding people, comparing notes. Um, I think you and I had a 30-minute conversation once about Ray Dalio. Mm -hmm. um, who are those people that you have watched from afar? Yeah. Whether you know them or not, right. um, in the world you go, you know what, Jobs did that, yeah. we can do that here. Yeah. Um, Bezos is doing that, there's no reason why we can't think like that here. Yeah. Um, who are those people that have inspired you? Uh, one who I owe just so much of my business acumen and um, 
even just being a, a, a gentleman and a, and a person, but, but a lot of business is, is a, is a uh, guy named Meyer Marcus out of El Paso. And yeah. since I was 16 and riding in the back of his car, he's always given me a seat at the table to, mm. to pick his brain. Um, and more formally, for the last decade or so, he has been a true mentor. We have conversations regularly. If I see him at a wedding, we always go to breakfast for a couple hours. If I get on the phone with him, when I'm in town, I meet with him. Like he is a guy that for 10 years consistently, and he's 60 years old, I meet with him very regularly. Um, I have another guy um, locally that has been is more of a life mentor to me. Um, when, once you start getting married, having kids, you realize there's more to life than business. Yep. Um, and he has transformed my life, uh, just helping me bring more balance to it. I meet with him every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. We meet for an hour once a week. He's he's sold his company and he is. Um, He's a great man of faith and he's teaching me, he's somebody that I sought out and said, I really love how he's lived his life. Yeah. And if I can take little nuggets here and there, it'll help me. We've been working together for about a year and a half and it's transformed me tons. Um, you know, my whole thought on mentorship is just, it's like a life hack. Yeah. I get to go totally. find someone that's 30 years ahead of me and peek, go- Peek in their notes. Peek in their notes and help me from making mistakes. Um, I still humble myself because I still sometimes think I'm right, they're wrong, and usually <laughs> I'll, I'll figure out down the road. The more you do that, the more yeah. you realize maybe they're always they're yeah. right or they're, they're you know, you, you adjust based on the timing yeah. of things, but um, I've always been that way. I've always cared a lot about where people have been that I want to get mm -hmm. to, and so mm -hmm. um, it's just been a point in my life. I don't probably think I ever really thought like, I'm doing this great thing by having mentors. It just came naturally. Yeah. But now as I look back and I talk to young people and, um, you know, how can I get ahead and, and how can I make sure I'm on track is like, I think having a mentor, which is free, if you're paying yeah. someone for mentorship, it's probably not the best mentorship. Yeah. yeah. But your mentor needs to know that you're a mentor. They need to know it's a time commitment on their end. Yeah. They need to know that it's a serious thing. And you as the mentee need to show up prepared and not yeah. waste any time. But um, I've just always done it naturally. I've always thought of it as like, why would you never do this? As yeah. far as people that I don't know, um, and, and I think, and I grew up with a great set of parents mm -hmm. that were, I knew what a loving household was. Mm -hmm. They made me work for things. Um, and there's things about my mom and my dad that, you know, I just know when yeah. I'm thinking of something, I know what they would tell me. Yeah. And that's, that's winning that's the lottery in itself. It is. And yeah. not everybody has that that to be that fortunate, but, um, there is always somebody in the world for somebody that's willing yeah. to give them yeah. that love. Um, that was, I, I started the podcast yeah. because there, I, I, whether it was wisdom, business, creativity, um, Wichita Falls was once named the most average city in America. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I didn't have <laughs> this buffet of wisdom to go talk to. So I just picked up the phone and I was like, Hey, there's this, Franciscan priest who I read his book in New Mexico, it blew my mind. I want to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that's important, especially for some of our listeners. Well, it doesn't matter your age. No. Um, if there is someone doing something that you want to do, um, they're not going to call you. Um, but if you show up, I think with a, um, a spirit of gratitude, a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find and write my map. 
Yeah. Will you show me a little bit of your map? Yeah. And you've done that for me in ways. Um, a beautiful thing happens there. It's this huge win-win. But it's on us yeah. to go ask. Yeah. Um, and maybe if that mentorship or relationship doesn't start, then it wasn't the right one and, and keep going. Right. And I think people, there's a certain level of empathy and yes. help that every human being carries. I don't care who it is, if it's the meanest guy you've ever met in your life, somewhere in their soul is empathy. Mm-hmm. And when somebody sees somebody that is young, not even young, Maybe even more so, they're older and they're finally making a change in their life and they want it so bad that they, they'll do anything on earth to get, to get there. It naturally gets a response out of others that I want to help that yeah. person. Yeah. And maybe it not, might not be the first person, but that is how human beings are wired. And we were talking about this before we turned the, the, the podcast on is people have an amazing ability to detect if somebody's being genuine or right. not. And when I am a 23 year old hustler trying everything I can to build a real estate company and I go to, to a man that's 60 years old that owns more real estate than he ever dreamed of, he's looking at himself in the mirror 30 years before and yeah. I'm looking at myself in the mirror 30 years later. There is a law of attraction there, yeah. but it's gotta be genuine. There's if a mutuality. I, if I just showed up one day and said, hey Meyer, I just wanna buy a ton of property. Will you start meeting with me once a month? Yeah. That's not it's interesting. Like, no, it's not. Hey, Meyer, for five years, I've been busting my ass every day. I've ridden with you in your car 15 times. I've done everything I can. All I want to do is, is, is get to here and can involve that, that sense of just urgency. You can just, mm-hmm. humans can tell it. And so it, you got to be genuine about it. But to anybody out there that is thinking, I wonder if I could find a mentor or I wonder if somebody would take me seriously it is in the human DNA to help people that need to be helped, yeah. but it's got to be genuine. Yeah. And you got to really want it and know in your heart. If you're out there looking for a mentor and you know you're really not in it, don't yeah. be disappointed if you don't get one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, be true to your authentic hero's journey. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it takes a while to wake up to the hero's journey. Like we just go through, you know, give me a job, give me some health insurance and a paycheck. 23 or 18 is not the average time to start a business. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And even, and I, I always relate it to starting a business, but it's not even about starting a business. It's mm-hmm. whatever in life is going to, is going to wake you up and push you every day. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, sometimes it doesn't come till later in life. And, mm-hmm. um, that's just, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 13 years in, what what do you know today that you didn't know 13 years ago? What bit of knowledge, wisdom um, has really created fulfillment? I mean, I think you and I have talked before about the difference between success and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, until success means fulfillment. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I wish I would have known that at 22. Yeah, yeah. Um, burned my 20s chasing success not to be fulfilled right um what do you know today that you didn't know a decade ago i think probably there's probably several things two that come to mind um number one based on what you just said success and fulfillment um 
everybody has a different definition of success and they have a different definition of fulfillment. The world tends to tell you that success is material things, it's money, it's tangible items that um, are could be gone tomorrow, uh, you can't take them with you to heaven type of thing. No. Um, you chase those long enough, you'll burn yourself out. Um, so I, w I have learned that uh, money is great, it creates more freedom, it makes life easier, and by no means am I saying it's not a great thing to want to make a lot of money. But if the reason why you need money is to buy material things, you're chasing a, you're a, a hundred times out of a hundred, you're chasing a, a dead dream. Yeah. Um, if you're chasing it to, to provide education for your kids, and which is fulfilling, yeah. uh, to you know maybe be able to travel a little easier, which can make you know, is valuable, whatever those things are, um, it, it's a good thing. But I think the, the most important um, getting away from just success and, and fulfillment is uh, if there's one thing that I think about all the time and I double check myself on is you are an average of the five people that you surround yourself with in your life. Yeah. And what I mean by that, if you go back through your whole life, and for the listeners, I would challenge you. Go back to when you were a teenager, go back to when you were in college or mid-twenties. What were the things going on in your life and who were the people that you saw the most? And what you will find is that your actions matched up with the actions of the people that you surrounded yourself with. So no wonder in college I was probably drinking more than I should and staying out late because all of my friends were doing the same and I saw all my frat brothers every single day. How could I go um and i'm not necessarily saying that that was uh my whole college career I, ha I had a business but at the same time um for me to go be a chess master yeah. i probably would have need to be playing chess more which meant i was hanging out with guys that played chess every day yeah. just had to have happened i can't be you can't be great at chess when nobody in your life is yeah. a chess player yeah. um and so that's something um that the beautiful thing of that is it can change tomorrow. So if you're in a bad spot right now um, and you don't like what you're up to and you look around the room and you see the five people that are in your life are doing things that you don't aspire to do, you can go change those five people tomorrow and it's free. It doesn't cost any money, but it's a decision that you have to make. Um, and you can always double check yourself on it. And I will tell you um, not to belabor the point, you can be on top of the world, you can be very successful, you can have, you look around the room and those five people are great, and you let one bad apple mm. into that circle, you drop one good apple and bring a bad apple, let's say that bad apple has a drug habit. Well, there's a, pos there's a good possibility that for the reason that that person that has a drug habit has entered your circle of five, is because you're either doing starting to do drugs with them like how could you possibly again yeah. you know hundreds yeah. of people but the five that are closest are the ones that you have you have said I like you we have something in common and let's just say I'm right and maybe you you start doing drugs later in your career well now guess what if you're hanging out with that guy every day you're probably gonna meet his friend so now you've dropped two people out of your circle of five and now two people are the best and it, and it could be the flip side. You have five people doing drugs and now you bring that first mentor in yep. and he introduces you to him and, and it it's just something you need to be aware of. What you're doing in your life is a total byproduct of the people you've surrounded yourself with. Totally.
gradually then suddenly. Yep. Gradually we surround ourselves with people. Gradually we live a life of intentionality. Or gradually we drift yep. and go, how did I get here? Yep. Um, yeah, that's a good word. And it's people. Yeah. yeah. People are going to take you... Business is a byproduct of what people work on. So yeah. the, the building that we build is a, is a culmination of hundreds of hours of humans working on different things, and that's yeah. what popped out. Yeah. Um, what you're going to go do um, tomorrow as a person is going to be a byproduct of the people that are around you. Mm-hmm. What's, the, um, what's keeping you most curious today? Life, family, latest book. Yeah. New friend, um, Palmer. Pal- Palmer. <laughs> Palmer has changed my, my life a um, hundred times over. Uh, Palmer was born at 26 weeks, so she was one pound, two ounces. She was born in the NICU. Um, so all that little girl has ever done is she came out a fighter, and yeah. she's doing amazing now. She's 100% healthy. We've been super fortunate. But she's just changed my whole life. I mean, um, was was that a pivotal moment for you? Yeah. A clarifying. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I used to be the last guy. I'm a, I'm a first big, one here, last one to leave. First one here, last one to leave, and sometimes not for any other reason than um, that's who I you just are. found stuff to do, and um, it's who I was. Like I, I was a grinder, and I by no means saying that because I had a kid I'm now the last one in and the first one to leave but what I just never thought about a life outside of like having any balance it was like I'm going to work as hard as I can um, and that's what I'm going to do and that's what I love to do and it's still what I love to do but I also love my daughter and I also love my wife and I also uh, do not want to look up uh, 20 years from now and go my kids are all gone. My relationship with my wife isn't great because I haven't seen her much. Yeah. I have this huge pile of money and I'm miserable. Yeah. And to, to take two steps back while having a mentor is important. So my mentor, Pete, is part of a group called the Halftime Institute. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the Halftime Institute. I think I've heard of the book. But the Halftime Institute is a mentorship to men that have run businesses. And they start meeting with these men in their 30s and 40s and basically setting them up for the second half of their life. What they have found is, whether it's work or money or or whatever, if you devote your life to one thing, thinking that, oh, well, when I turn 50 or 55, then I'm gonna be able to be the person I wanna be, what you realize is you get there and you're you're alone in a room, your kids don't know you, your wife doesn't know you, and, and he basically just laid it out for me and said, if this is what you're going to do for the next 20 years, don't expect to get to know your daughter very well. Don't expect to have a great relationship with your wife. There's ways to work as hard as you want and have a great family life, and you need to find what works for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very curious about my daughter. I, it has brought a ton of balance into my life, and I think a lot about where do I want to be? In, like, what do I just want to get done? I, the The... I think this all culminates, and I'm not trying to, to talk too much about it, into time. Time is the number one topic on my mind now at all times. Everything doesn't matter equally. It doesn't. <laughs> and you think it does. I used to have a calendar that was filled up every minute. Yeah. I used to not care about time. You're young. You have yeah. all the time in the world. And yeah. then you go see your daughter. She's now walking around the house, and you realize it's fleeting. You, um, I'm here in the office. 
I used to do things that I knew were a waste of my time, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to say no to somebody or yeah. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. And then somebody starts putting it in the perspective of you can either go spend an hour with that person and not hurt their feelings, or you can go home an hour early and be with your daughter. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, all it takes is doing five or 10 things a week that are a waste of time to now you've taken 10 whole hours out of your entire week. Yeah. And then, and then, leave that leave me out of it then how do we use our time in here as a team to get the most output what projects should we be working on when you're growing what used to make money at a, as a five million dollar deal with with 20 people now it's got to be a 20 million dollar deal or right. it just doesn't make sense um and so i'm fascinated by time i'm fascinated by how much we can accomplish so bill gates said we always um, overestimate what we can do in a year and yep. underestimate what we can do in 10. Yep. The iPhone came out relatively 10 years ago yep. and look where we are today. Yep. Yep. Um, the world's moving unbelievably quick, mm -hmm. um, faster than it ever has. And so I'm just, I'll tell you, I'm in a place in my life where I'm curious about a ton of things mm -hmm. and I know that I don't have a ton of I don't have infinite amount of time, and so I'm trying to find what things I yeah. want to keep working on. I wrote down not long ago, just in like a morning journal entry, that um, yes will make your life, but no will save your life. I love that. And, and, I, and I think that there's, there's just so few things that we can fully, authentically give a yes to. Yeah. Um, and burnout is on the horizon when your whole life is yes. Yeah. And we're kind of sold that in a way, you know, say yes to everything. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That you don't want to hurt serendipity will just, things will happen, but at some point, no will save your life. And then your yeses become so much more valuable and you just see everything increase exponentially by fewer yeses. That is an incredible, I mean, you, you just summed it up. Yeah. And even like Warren Buffett says, the best business leaders are the ones that say no 10 yeah. times more than they say yes. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing when to do it. I mean, Warren Buffett eats, reads six hours a day. He's the richest guy on the planet and he reads six That's hours right. a day and takes no meetings. That's right. To get his time, it has to be worth it. And I'm not saying everybody's in that position to do that, but there are a lot of things that we do to feel busy that are providing no value. Yeah. And what Pete, my mentor, really got me doing was saying, my family is important to me. This was a shocking thing. What's the five most important things to you? God, family, friends, work, golf, whatever. Okay, now how much time do you spend on each one? So God was first, but I spent the least time on him. <laughs> uh, my family was second, they were in fourth place. I mean, mm -hmm. and then you start realizing like, well, what are your priorities? How are you delegating time? It's not that I need to spend the most time with you know, God each week because I have to work and there's only so many hours in the day. But if he's so important, why are you only spending an hour a week with him? Yeah. Why aren't you at least, you know, it yeah. just makes you think and yeah. it, it prioritizes things. So yeah. what's your quote? It's yes. Yes will make your life, which is true. Yes. You know, rentbytcu.com. That yeah. was a yes that created this. Yeah. But, but no will save your life. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I'm going to write that down after this. How can we follow you and what you're doing? Yeah. How can we follow the Palmer stream on follow, Instagram? <laughs> follow me at, at Chris Powers Jr. or at Fort Capital on Instagram. Um, and uh, 
You guys are doing beautiful things around here. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's awesome. Now we're pumped. We're just getting started too. Well, every, every day we're just getting started. I, uh, I watch from afar and take notes. So, um, uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. This was a fun conversation. Can we have 2.0 next year? We can have (laughs) 2.0 next year. I'd love to do a check-in. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, And if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car. Uh, You allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all, and I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more, uh, and we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid. Listen to the bluebirds sing and be love.